So uh, we're in Colossians. If you'd like uh, to turn there, we'll be verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. Uh, you can get that ready. Before we actually dive in, like this week's section of verses, we'll talk about reconciliation. And that word gets thrown around a lot. If you, if you look on a Trinity Church website, there's probably a lot of talk of gospel reconciliation. And, and we hear that word a lot, but we don't ever really kind of dive into what it means. And, and we get to tonight because that's where we are in Colossians. It's what our, these verses are over. But to really understand it, I think we need to uh, understand that it's a part of our salvation. And so what, what happens when we're saved, like there's basically uh, five parts to that and reconciliation being one of them, but it would help us to understand reconciliation. If we understand the others, then we can see how it is different and unique. So uh, real quickly, I just want to run through um, the five things. And so there's forgiveness, justification, redemption, adoption, and reconciliation. So those are kind of the five things that happen at salvation. Um, And uh, John MacArthur, in his commentary, put them really well, kind of a concise uh, sentence about what each one is. And so those are like, that's where I found these. Um, So we'll just run through them very quickly, and then we'll we'll move on to reconciliation. So forgiveness, uh, you stand before God, owing a debt that you cannot pay. And you are forgiven. The debt is washed away. The debt is paid by someone else. See, Romans 3.23 says, We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So everybody has sinned. It's impossible for you to, to earn your salvation, for you to do enough good to, uh, to be forgiven. It's a debt that you can't pay. But Jesus paid that price on the cross. The Bible says, Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So that's why he had to die in the way that he died. That's why he had to shed his blood is so that we could be forgiven. So that that debt of sin that we had could be paid. So that's forgiveness. Justification. You stand before God guilty and condemned, but are made righteous. And we are given Christ's righteousness. Like the, it, it's basically the best description of we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. So when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. That's why he had to come and live on the earth and he lived a perfect life. The reason that that is important is so that he could be found righteous and blameless. He's without sin. And so his righteousness is then given to us. And so we are justified. That's justification. We're guilty and condemned, but made righteous. Redemption. We stand before God a slave and are made free. We're a slave to sin and to death, but Jesus conquered those. And when he came and died on the cross, uh, he said, no one takes my life, but I lay my life down. And if I lay it down, then I will take it back up again. So he conquers sin and death. Through his death on the cross and his resurrection, he conquers sin and death and breaks those chains that once held us. And so at our salvation, we stand before God a slave and are made free. And then adoption. We stand before God a stranger and are made a son or daughter. And we see in Hebrews where it talks about how Christ, Christ's work on the cross 
made us co-heirs with him. So we're the children of God. So we are no longer a stranger to God. We're no longer alienated from him. We're now a son or daughter. And then we come to reconciliation, which we stand before God an enemy and become a friend. And so that's where we are today. We're going to talk about reconciliation. So let's read our passage. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 21 through 23. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So, reconciliation, like the very nature of it, to say, like, you need to be reconciled, that word is, uh, speaks of a marriage. So it was a Greek term uh, that spoke of a marriage where two people were estranged, or estranged and then they would reconcile their differences <clears throat> and come back together. So to be reconciled, it carries with it this notion of, of us being an enemy of God. It's, uh, I think a lot of times we like to think that before we were saved, we were kind of like, we were still good people, and we were just in this kind of neutral area where we weren't really one side or the other. We were kind of in the middle, and then we got saved, and we came over to God's side. But that's not what the Bible says. In Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 7, it says, For the mind that is set on flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So there's a hostility there. there there's an enmity there. It... Uh, it's, it's at war. So when we are, before we're saved, before God takes us out of that, we are living in, a, in sin and, and in our flesh, we are at war with God. And it's important for us to understand that because to be reconciled, you don't go from this place of neutrality to friendship. You go from being an enemy to being a friend. And that's what, that's what he's saying here, is you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. So when, when you were living in sin, you were hostile in mind toward God. There, there's a conflict there. There's a strife. And so in order for reconciliation to happen, two things have to happen. Uh, the wrath, the righteous wrath of God has to be, uh, has to be exercised. And then change has to occur. So wrath has to be poured out and, and change has to occur. So where and when did that happen? How did that go on? Well, on the cross, um, if you'd like to, you can turn to Luke chapter 23 and we'll read verses 44 through 46. And it says this, and it is, it was now about the sixth hour. There was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sunlight failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So there's this time on the cross there, this one verse, this three-hour period from the sixth hour to the ninth hour where darkness descended over the earth, and that was God's judgment being poured out on Christ. 
So the wrath for all the sin in the world, God was pouring onto his son at that moment. For those three hours, all of that wrath that was meant for you and me because of our sin, because we were an enemy of God, all of that wrath was poured out onto Christ at that point. So he takes on all of that, all of that wrath. So that's the first, that's the first kind of step of reconciliation is that wrath has to be Something has to be done with it. It's not just forgotten or put away. It's poured onto Christ. And then the second part is change has to occur. Um, If you will, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5. And we're going to read... We're going to read verse... We're going to read starting in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation... The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So all of that wrath that was poured out onto Christ. And then when we're in Christ, he makes us a new creation. See, that change occurs because if you're an enemy, your position has to change. And that's not something we do in and of ourselves. That's the work that Christ does in us. Because if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. We just talked in the previous verses Uh, about how Christ was there at creation. He was the original creator. And then when he reconciled himself to, uh, when, when he reconciled us to himself, he then created a new us. The old has passed away and the new has come. You are a new creation. So you're not that same individual that you were before salvation because God has saved you and he has made you a new creation. The new has come. You are changed. You're different. And that is, uh, that's evident. And that's where verse 23 comes in, back, uh, back in Colossians. Verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which was proclaimed in all creation and under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So... In those verses, don't get confused. You're not, you're not earning your faith there. It's not, it's not you working or doing enough or, or being good enough or giving enough or any of those things. Like You continuing in the faith and being steadfast is a result of Christ creating a new person in you. And this really comes by an encounter with Christ. In the previous verses, we saw how Christ is to be Lord of our life. And when that happens, we're changed and we're different. Uh, I grew up liking boxing. Like I like to box and I I took boxing for a while and uh, it was a small place. I really enjoyed it and I still like boxing. There was a big fight a couple weekends ago, uh, Canelo versus Triple G. I don't know if any of you saw it, but... Um, it was a good fight. And whenever big fights like that happen, I kind of get like the boxing itch a little bit. And when I have some time alone, I'll go watch, I'll watch some fights. And when I was, when I was growing up, Mike Tyson was the guy, right? And he was knocking everybody out. His his fights lasted one round, maybe. And somebody would get hit and they would just be down. 
Well, if when if when you showed up tonight and we were out talking and catching up and hey, how's your weekend? You asked me what I did over the weekend. If I told you like, oh, I was I happened upon this boxing gym and Mike Tyson was there and there wasn't anybody else around and so like we just fought. Like I got in, I went fifteen rounds with Mike Tyson and it like it was great. You would say no, you didn't. You're a liar because your face would be rearranged if you got in the ring and you fought Mike Tyson, right? It would be evident. Well, that's what these verses are saying. If Christ is your Lord, if you're a new creation, if you are reconciled to God, that change is going to be evident. You'll not be the same person that you were before. That encounter will change you and change the course of your life. It'll change your habits. It'll change your priorities. It'll change how you spend your time. It'll change what you do with your money. It'll change what you do with your focus. It'll change how you treat your spouse, how you raise your kids. All of those things will be affected by this reconciliation. If that happens in you, then you are created a new person. So the wrath is poured out on Christ and he creates in you a new person that is ready to be steady and steadfast, continue in the faith and hold on to the hope that Christ presented. And so what is, what's the end result? The really good news of this passage is the end result. And we see it, uh, we have to go back to verse 22 and pick it up. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. And that's not saying someday you will be. That's saying that's how God sees you right now. If you are a Christian, if you are saved, if you have been reconciled to God, he sees you as holy, blameless, and above reproach. I think so many times we... We get lost in ourselves and, and we go, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I can't, I can't go share because I'm not good enough. I can't say anything in this Bible study. I can't lead a Bible study. I can't do those things because I'm, I'm not good enough. I, I've done so much bad in my past. Or if people really knew me, then they wouldn't, they wouldn't accept this. But God sees you as holy and blameless and above reproach, not because of what you've done or what you're able to do, but because of the work that Christ did on the cross to save you. That's who you are. That's who we are. You walked in here tonight. If you're a Christian, if you trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, if he's your savior, you walked in here holy, blameless and above reproach. And when Satan comes to you and tells you you're a bad person, you this, you that, you can say, no, I'm holy and I'm blameless and I'm above reproach. I am no longer an enemy of God. I have been reconciled to him. And I am now a friend of God because of the work that Christ did on the cross. And that's an amazing place for us to be. It, it should free you to really live for God. It should free you to walk differently. It should free you to be that new creation, knowing that you have been changed that you're not the same, that you're not an enemy of God, you're now a friend of God. We're going to take communion. This is, this is a perfect set of, of scriptures to do this because it's recognizing the work that, that Christ did. Um, Adrian and Kelsey are, are going to come, and I'm going to read uh, some scripture, and then we'll pray. But 
the Bible tells us before we take communion that we need to get right with God. So wherever you are, if, if, you, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, if, you, if He's not the Lord of your life, I pray you would do that right now. That you would pray that prayer, that you would ask Christ to save you. If, um, and if you are, just take a few minutes to get right with God. To, to come before Him and say, God, I messed up this week. I, I did this, I did that, but I want to get right with you. And then we're going to come and take communion together. So let's pray. I'll read the scriptures and then we'll take communion. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your work on the cross that you have made us holy and blameless and above reproach. That we don't have to carry around our past mistakes and our failures. That we don't have to hang on to the mistakes that we've made. That you see us as holy and blameless. God, I pray that we would clean out the obstacles that stand between us and you. I pray that uh, that we wouldn't hold on to that old self of being an enemy, but that we 